Gamar Zoba, and welcome to the History of Sacardello, Georgia. I'm your host, Roberto, and this is Myth 7, Gulambara and Sulambara. I am joined today by Dustin, the host of Sandman Stories Presents. Please make sure to check them out after listening to this episode. Links will be in the episode description. Also, we do have a Patreon page, so feel free to subscribe to get bonus episodes for the history of Sacramento, Georgia, and Tsar Power. We will be releasing an episode this month on the martyrdom of Shushanik and about the Balalaika. And now, get ready to hear Dustin read the story, because we did a podcast swap. Well, more so, he, re- he was reading the story anyways for his podcast, and I asked him to come on to the show. He said yes, and then I asked him if I could have him read the story for us. So, I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, listeners, to Sandman Stories Presents, a folklore podcast where I read you to sleep or until the next story. I'm your host, Dustin. And today we're doing something a little bit special. I'm recording this Georgian tale from my friend Roberto of the History of Georgia podcast. I know he will be forgiving of my pronunciations, and I hope you will be as well. In this story, a blind king has to rely on his son in order to return his sight to him. But first, the son needs to solve some riddles. Okay, let's begin. Gulambara and Sulambara There was, and there was not at all. There was a blind monarch. All the doctors in the kingdom had been applied to, but the king could not be cured. At last one doctor said, In a certain sea is a fish as red as blood. If this is caught, killed, and its blood sprinkled on your eyes, it may do good. The light will come back into your eyes. If not, there can be no other cure for you. Then the king assembled every fisherman in his realm and commanded, Go wherever it may be or may not be. Catch such a fish as this, and I shall give you a rich reward. Some time passed by. An old fisherman caught just such a crimson fish and took it to the king. The king was asleep, and they did not dare to wake him. So they put the fish into a basin full of water. Just then his son returned from his lessons. He saw the blood-red fish swimming in the basin. He took it up in his hands, caressed it, and said, What do you want with the pretty fish in the basin? They said to him, This is good for your father. It must be killed. Its blood sprinkled on his eyes, and he will regain his sight. But isn't it a sin to kill it? asked the prince. And he took the fish out to a stream in the meadow and gave it freedom. A little while after, the king awoke. His viziers said to him, An old fisherman brought you a blood-red fish, but your son, who had just returned from his lessons, let it go. The king was very angry and sent his son from the house. Go hence. I shall be well when you are no longer remembered in the kingdom. With my eyes I cannot look upon you, but never again let me hear your unpleasant voice. The boy grieved, rose, and went away. He went, and he went and he knew not where he went. On the way he saw a stream. He was weary and sat down to rest on the bank. 
Behold, a boy of his own age came out of the water. He came to the prince, greeted him, and said, When did you come here, and what troubles you? The prince went to him and told him all that had happened. His new acquaintance said, I am also discontented with my lot, so let us become brothers and live together. The prince agreed, and they went on their way. They traveled on some distance when they came to a town, and they dwelt there. When the next day dawned, his adopted brother said to the prince, Stay at home and do not go out of doors, lest they eat you, for such is the custom here. The prince promised, and from morning until night he sat indoors. The other boy was away in the town all day. At twilight when he came home, he had a handkerchief full of provisions. Several days slipped by. The prince stayed in all day, and his brother brought food and drink. At last the prince said to himself, This is shameful. My adopted brother goes out and brings in food and drink. Why do I not do something? What an idle fellow I am. I will go and do something. And so it happened that one day, the king's son went into the town. He wandered here and there, and in one place saw his brother, who was sitting cross-legged on the ground. At his feet was stretched a pocket handkerchief. In his hand he held a chunguri, a stringed instrument, which he played, and he chanted to it with a sweet voice. Whoever passed by placed money in the handkerchief. The king's son listened and listened and said, No, this must not be. This is not my business. So he turned and went back. Near there he saw a tower. Outside was a wall, and on the top were men's heads arranged in rows. Some were quite shriveled up. Some had an unpleasant odor of decay, and some had just been placed there. He looked and looked and could not understand what it meant. He asked a man, Whose tower is this, and why are men's heads arranged in rows in this way? He was told, In this tower dwells a maiden as beautiful as the sun. Any king's son may ask for her hand in marriage. She asks him a question. If he cannot answer it, his head is cut off. But if he can, he may demand her in marriage. No one yet has been able to answer her question. The prince thought and thought, and said to himself, I will go. I will ask this maiden in marriage. I will know if it is my fate. What is to be will be. What can she ask me that I shall not know? So he rose and went. He came to the sun-like maiden and asked her in marriage. She answered, It is well, but first I have a question to ask you. If you can answer it, then I am yours. If not, I shall cut off your head. So be it, said the prince. I ask you this. Who are Gulambara and Sulambara? inquired the beautiful maiden. The king's son said to himself, I know indeed that Gulambara and Sulambara are names of flowers, but I never heard in all my life of human beings thus named. He asked for three days' grace and went away. He went home and told his brother what had happened and said, If you can't help me now, in three days I shall lose my head. His brother reproached him, saying, did I not tell you to stay indoors? This is a wicked town. But then he comforted him, saying, Go now, buy a penny's worth of aromatic gum and a candle. I have a grandmother. I shall take you to her, and she will help you. But at the moment when my grandmother looks at us, give her the gum and the candle, or she will eat you. He bought the gum and the candle, and they set out. The grandmother was standing in her doorway. The prince immediately gave her the gum and the candle. What is it? What is the matter with you? 
inquired the grandmother of the prince's adopted brother. He came forward and told everything in detail. Then he added, This is my good brother, and certainly you should help him. Very well, said the old woman to the prince. Sit down on my back. The prince seated himself on her back. The old woman flew up high, and then, in the twinkling of an eye, she flew down into the depths. She took him to a town there and went to the entrance of the bazaar. She pointed out a shopkeeper and said, Go and engage yourself as an assistant to this shopkeeper. But in the evening, when he leaves business and goes home, tell him that he must take you with him and must not leave you in the shop. Where you go with him, you will learn the story of Gulambara and Sulambara. Then when you need me, whistle, and I shall be there. The prince did exactly as the old woman had instructed him. He went to the butcher as his assistant. At twilight, when the butcher spoke of going home, the prince said to him, Do not leave me here. I am a stranger in this land. I am afraid. Take me with you. The butcher objected strongly, but the prince begged him until he agreed. The butcher went home and took the prince with him. They came to a wall, opened a door, went in, and closed it. Inside that was another wall. They went through that, and it closed. They passed through nine walls in this way, and then they entered a house. The butcher opened a cupboard door, took out a woman's head, and then an iron whip. He put down the decaying head and struck it. He struck it and struck it until the head was completely gone. When the prince saw this, he was astonished and inquired, Tell me, why do you strike this head that is so mutilated? And whose head is this? The butcher answered, I tell this to no one. This is my secret. But if I do tell anyone, he must then lose his head. Still, I wish to know, said the prince. The butcher rose, took a sword, prepared himself, and said to the prince, I had a wife who was so lovely that she outshone the sun. Her name was Gulambara. I kept her under these nine locks, and I took care of her so that not even the wind of heaven blew on her. Whatever she asked me, I gave her at once. I loved her to distraction and trusted her, and she told me that she loved no one in the world but me. At that time I had an assistant who was called Sulambara, and my wife loved him and deceived me. Once I found them together and seized them. I locked one in a cupboard and the other one in another. Whenever I came home from business, I went to the cupboards and took them out, first one, then the other, and beat them as hard as I could. I struck so hard that Sulambara crumbled away yesterday, and only Gulambara's head remained, and that has just now crumbled away before your eyes. The story ended. He took his sword and said to the prince, Now I am going to fulfill my threat, so come here, and I shall cut off your head. The prince pleaded with him, Give me a little time. I will go to the door and pray to my god, and then do to me even as you wish. The butcher thought, It can do no harm to let him go to the door for a short time, for he certainly cannot open the nine doors. Let him pray to his god and have his wish. The prince went to the gate and whistled. Immediately the old woman flew down, took him on her back, and flew off. The youth went to the town where the beautiful maiden dwelt, and told the sunshine-like one the story of Gulambara and Sulambara. The maiden was very much surprised. When she had heard all, she agreed to marry him. After they were married, she collected all her worldly possessions and set out with the prince for his father's kingdom. When he came to the brook, his adopted brother appeared before him and said, in your troubles I befriended you, and now, 
when you are happy, shall this friendship cease? Whatever you have obtained has been by my counsel, and therefore you should share it with me. The prince divided everything in halves, but his adopted brother was not pleased. It is all very well to share this with me, while you have the beautiful maiden. The prince arose and gave up his own share of the goods. His adopted brother would not take it, and spoke thus. If you hold fast to our friendship, you should share with me this maiden, the most precious of your possessions. As he said this, he seized the maiden's hand, bound her to a tree, stretched forth his sword, and as he was about to strike, a green stream flowed from the terror-stricken maiden's mouth. Again the youth raised his sword. The same thing happened. A third time he prepared to strike with the same result. Then he came, unbound her from the tree, gave her to the prince, and said, Although this maiden was beautiful, yet she was venomous, and sooner or later would have killed you. Now whatever poison was in her is completely gone, so do not fear her in the slightest degree. Go, and God guide you. As for these possessions, they are yours. I do not want them. May God give you his peace. From his pocket he took out a handkerchief and gave it to the prince, and said, Take this handkerchief with you. And when you reach home, wipe your father's eyes with it, and he will see. I am the fish that was in that basin, and you did set me free. Know then that kindness of heart is never lost. So saying, the prince's adopted brother disappeared. The prince remained astonished. Before he had time to express his gratitude, the young man had suddenly disappeared. At last, when he had recovered himself, he took his wife and went to his father. He laid the handkerchief on the king's eyes, and his sight came back to him. When he saw his only son and his beautiful daughter-in-law, his joy was so great that his eyes filled with tears. His son sat him down and told him all that had happened since he left him. The End Wow, I was quite surprised by the middle part of the story where the butcher and the punched heads, that was pretty wild. And then also, when the adopted brother gets the poison out of the maiden, I didn't see that coming. It's like, hey, share everything, share everything, share your wife. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, but it, it was good, got the poison out. So I look forward to covering a lot more of these tales and learning more about the wonderful history of Georgia. No podcast or listener shout out for this one, as Roberto and I have agreed to a pod swap. I will say, go and listen to his podcast, because his love of Georgia and its history is really fascinating and covers an undertold history. So go check out the history of Georgia, Sacarvelo, and thank you, and good night. Gambardozovan, welcome to part two. You just heard Dustin reading Gulambara and Sulambara for myth number seven. So he's actually going to be joining us today for the after myth discussion. So Dustin is a good friend of mine, and I really enjoy his podcast, Sandman Stories Presents. As of recording, I'm on episode 95 out of 134, 
And he does such a great job in finding all these cultural stories and folk tales and just bringing them to life for everyone to hear and enjoy. So say hi, Dustin. Kanmarjoba. Hello. Uh, yeah, hello from South Korea. Annyeonghaseyo. I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Sure. We, we, we sure. talked about this earlier already. But my first question is, what made you pick Gulambar and Sulambar from all the choices you had in Marjorie Wardrop's translations? Um, I chose it because of the length. Um, I was going through and I was just like, oh, this one's got a fun title and about the right size for, you know, not having to edit so much. Uh, I can, I can get it recorded and get it done. And yeah, it, you know, I, I didn't go in knowing any Georgian tales aside from what I've heard on your podcast. So I was just like, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. And then, and then as I read it, it was just really interesting and really fun. The, the heads and the, the seven doors and nine walls and all that stuff is really interesting. Yeah, I know. And like one thing that I found really interesting about it was the fact that you have this guy, you know, this guy says, oh, you know, to heal your blindness, you need the blood of a fish and then you need to wipe it on your eyes. And the son's like, no, no, don't kill this poor fish. Let's bring it back into the water. And then yeah. the dad's like, you took away, you know, you took away my only method of healing myself. You're banished. And it's like, what kind of what kind of good father are you? Uh, you know the, the the fish blood on the eyes was I was like wow okay that's that's an interesting cure, um, and I, I've seen a few pod, or, uh, a few fairy tales where you know it's it's this sort of thing will cure you and that sort of thing will cure you and only only this special flower that's on this island guarded by seven hundred rakshasis which is a uh, Indian Hindi uh, flesh eating monster and it's like well okay so you gotta, gotta gotta do all this there's always some epic journey like oh you you have to get this one thing that's at the top of this mountain guarded by all these things wow okay but i i like that the the son was kind about it he's like you know fish you, you shouldn't die go go ahead and go live your life uh you don't don't need to kill a fish and then the the fish brother coming back is like give me your wife give me your wife Give me your, I don't want your treasure. Give me your wife. I was like, what is happening in this story? And then, and then she spits up the poison and she, she's no longer dangerous. It's like, oh, okay. Ooh, did not see that coming. I, I had no idea where the, give me your wife, give me your wife, give me your wife. Where is this going? So that was quite interesting. Uh, so I was listening to it and I read it myself, just kind of get like, help me remember it a bit more. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Wait, what? Where did this just? Where did this guy just come from? Just demanding, you know, the you know the young prince's wife is like, give me your wife. That's all I want. And it's like, you know, I did the, all the hard work to protect you. I'm like, dude, calm down. Get, give me your wife. Give me your wife. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay, this is weird. And then yeah, she spits up the poison. It's like, ah, oh, okay. yeah. Well, it, it does remind me that like at the beginning when he goes into the town for the first time, the well, as you all know, the fish ends up being the the guy who you know who he stays with ends up being the fish. But basically, says yeah, everyone in this town is evil and has like evil misdeeds. Just, just stay at home. Just stay at home. Don't don't go out. Don't do anything. And like for and for me, what was like super interesting about it was, you know, you have all of these like yeah, this is a town full of evil, and then he's like, yep, I'm gonna leave because I want to explore and you know I want to help out too because you're doing all the hard work and I feel bad about it, and then. Gets himself into trouble, you know, goes to see the princess. Like, you need to find out a tale of Gulambara and Sulambara. So it's like, 
because even hearing the title, you're like, oh yeah, the Gulumbara and Sudumbara is the prince and the fish. It's like, nope, it is not. It is this really weird tale of adultery and murder. And I'm like, how is this all in like one story? And I'm like, oh boy, that is, it was a, it was a ride. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed all the places that story went and, you know, it gives me a little bit of an insight into what storytelling is like in Georgia because, you know, it's all in the mountains and, you know, kind of a closed off kingdom and, uh, yeah, just interesting stories, you know, what's important for them. That's what comes up in all the folk tales is like, what is important to these people? So apparently, you know, fidelity is important. Uh, don't, mm-hmm. don't, you know, he, he gave his wife everything and she still ran off with the, <laughs> the shop assistant. <laughs> and so he, he beat their bodies until they crumbled. Okay. It was, it was gruesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very gruesome. Um, I'm just going to pull out this head and you know, I'm, I'm still pounding this head and I'm going to cut off your head because I got If I tell you what it is, I might have cut off your head. Okay. Yeah. And then somehow he gets out of that. You know, yeah. I'm like, just had a nice excuse of the grandma came in and swooped him and saved him at the last minute. And you're I'm like, there's some Deus Ex Machina's happening in this story, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, Go ahead. Go pray to your God. Go pray to your God. Yeah, yeah. Just got to go outside and pray real quick before you kill me. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Granny, get me! <laughs> I mean, if, if there's any time a grandma will come and save you, it's it's that exact moment. Yeah, but but when we go to grandma, give her this aromatic candle and never look at her. Okay? Yep. That, the story just went in places, and I, at this point, having read so many Georgian folktales, it's just like, you just go along for the ride, because you're never going to understand everything. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, I I wish I knew more backstory for stuff and like e- even the names Gulambara and Sulambara, I I was wondering it's like, uh, is, are those really Georgian names or uh, I don't think they're Georgian, but I think it's just probably like there's a lot of like smaller like tribes in the region. Yeah. So like Georgian is just like the the majority like yeah. tribal union. Then there's like you have a bunch of like smaller ones, so maybe reflected from there, but. The one thing I wish like folktale books and like all that stuff did was tell you what region is it from, you know, where yeah. can you find this story at? Cause sometimes people ask me like, so where is this story from in Georgia? I'm like, I think it's from this one region, but I have no clue how, on how to verify that one because you can't tell. Cause it's just so many like small, like groups of people who just have their own cultural identity where you're like, it could be this people, or it could be that people. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this valley that's separated from the rest of Georgia—you know—it's between these two mountains, or you know, maybe this valley over here that's between two mountains, and uh, or maybe this valley that's between two mountains. Okay, it's kind of kind of hard for people to communicate when they're stuck in valleys of between the mountains. It, it sounds sounds pretty much like Georgia. The Philippine folklore one does a good job of saying. Okay, this is from the Bagobo people. This is from the Ilocano people. This is from this group. This group, but because it was written a hundred and some years ago, it's like these silly natives. And I'm like, oh, oh. they believe in magic and all. This. I'm like, if you believe in magic, you know, we, we all do. You know, lay off, quit, quit. Oh, these noble savages. I'm like, yeah, you jerk. Do you ever like edit that stuff out when you're like yeah, yeah. reading um, something? I have to edit out a lot of stuff because old folk tales are often racist. You know, uh, there, there's been a few times mm-hmm. that the actual text is like, and the magical Negro. I'm like, 
Oh, ah, uh, really? You would? Ah, okay. And and there's been children's books because I also sometimes record like uh, ABCs and stuff like that from uh, a while back. And yeah, uh, one of the ABC books I was going through, I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. This is interesting. Okay, okay. Oh, they dropped the N word. Okay, okay. Nope, not gonna record this book. Yeah, that's like the issue of like reading like all these like public domain things, and it's like yeah, like it's great we can actually have access to like all of these great stories from like overseas, but because they've been translated into English, you're like these people had some hot takes yeah, that I don't yeah, like. Yeah, there's a lot of at all, know, and I beat my wife, and I'm like, oh, oh, mm. there's a lot, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of wife beating that I don't yeah, agree yeah. with. Yeah, there was one the uh, from Armenia, Simon of the Snakes, which is a really cool one where. Simon learns from the snakes that uh, how to speak to animals and all like that. And, you know, his wife keeps bugging him. Like, you came home with pockets full of money. Where did you get the money? What is, what is this? Where is this? And, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to tell her. Because if I tell her, then I die. And so he, he just picks up his stick and he goes, woman, you ask me again, I'm going to beat you. And then she stops asking. It's like, okay, that's one way to end the story. Yeah, that's. I don't agree with beating anybody. I need to retract an earlier statement because I said I don't yeah. agree with it a lot of the time. I don't agree with it at all. So I'm just. Gonna, I just need to retract that because yeah. I. I had a Freudian yep. slip. No, no. I added another word in there, so I don't agree with yeah. it at all. Abuse is not great. Yeah, no, it is horrible. Don't do it. Yeah, but that's like the issue with like a lot of like stories is like you have this very patriarchal feeling to it, and a lot of the time, like you know, you have an unnamed woman who just has to deal with whatever the men are doing to them. And uh, it's one thing I like about Georgian folk tales is like, at least the last one I read, um, mm -hmm. the tale of Helen, the beautiful. Yep. I don't know if you listened to that episode. I have listened to everything you've put out. Awesome. So I, I really love the fact that she had like a tower, like basically like a tower mm -hmm. of like skulls of all her suitors. And like, yep, I just killed them all. And I'm like, that is an awesome woman right there. Cause she's like, I don't want to be annoyed by these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to kill them there's all. A, there's one that I covered not too long ago on camera. I think it was possibly the Azores or Armenia, which are completely differently geographically and culturally. But um, the... Yes, yes. Um, they both start with the, <laughs> the princess is to be married to a guy, but a sea captain uh, steals her away, like sends, sends the husband to be off to shore to, to go get some supplies. And then he leaves with her and she goes through and she kills uh, a bunch of bandits with her friends. She picks up uh, 39 other women who are sent to be married to this other prince. And she's like, nope, now you're now you're buddies with me. Uh, we're all going to go sailing together. She kills the captain who was like, hey, you were off at sea. You're going to marry me. And she's like, oh, well, you know, how about we land and uh, you, you get me some some proper wedding stuff and then she leaves with his boat <laughs> and it was it was really nice because you know she actually had a name and it was her story and her husband-to-be was just kind of a partial afterthought at the end it was like and the king came back and he he ruled the land and and I'm like yeah okay but he hasn't been here for the whole story he's he's not the main character okay she's the main character but it was fun to read that sounds. I, I don't think I've listened to that one yet, so I can't wait to get to that one. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I'm gonna ask you a few more questions if you don't mind. What brought you to create Sandman stories? 
presents? Uh, I was doing a project for my school where I read uh, kids' books. I've been reading kids' books for, you know, I've been here in Korea for almost 15 years, and I've been reading stories for at least that long. And several people have been like, hey, you're good at reading stories. I'm like, okay, cool. And I was already recording them for my school, so I'm like, you know what? I'll record some public domain stuff so that it doesn't get any copyright strikes. It doesn't get uh, cease and desist. So I started doing that. And uh, several of my friends were like, Dustin, your voice really puts me to sleep. I'm like, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> so uh, I was like, you know, if, if I can help some people find some cool stories or if I can help people go to sleep, hey, cool. And, uh, and I found out that uh, Anchor was doing free podcast hosting because I, I don't really want to pay for anything. I don't get any money in. I don't put any money out. That's kind of my thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, public domain and, and get people to sleep. Okay, I'll start doing this. And, and so I started doing it. Oh, wow, that's amazing. I will say, though, that I don't listen to your podcast before I sleep because I like hearing the stories. <laughs> so I kind of go away from, like, but there's sometimes I'm just, like, at work, I'm listening. I'm like, this is a nice, cool story. And, like, you know, it's very boring at work sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm starting to nod off. I'm like, oh, oh, got to get up because I need to finish this story because it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But people have told me that they've, they've fallen asleep in the middle of the story and then they have to go back and rewind and be like, okay, I missed this part of the story. I got to go back and listen again. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, glad to, glad to get you to sleep and uh, cool that you listened to a second time. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it all. And it's... For me, it's really, I really enjoy hearing stories about like different parts of the world, yeah. because as you said earlier, it's the best way to kind of like learn about what these people's value and kind of like see more of their culture, like in the hands on from mm -hmm. a way that you can't really tell from like just just from like reading a book or anything, because right. you can't really tell how people think from this like, oh, here's how people in the, the Azores think or in Armenia or in Georgia until you see like what stories they've grown up with and everything that they've kind of like put into place there. Cause people are like, I first did the myth episode. It's like, I just want to, I want a quick break from having to research. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, this is actually kind of fun. Like I didn't think I would do this for a long time. I was like, yeah, I was going to do, you know, Jason, the Argonauts, my dad, and just keep it at that. And maybe do some every once in a while. But now, now I'm like every five episodes, new myth, because I have a lot of books I need to get through and a lot of stories. Cause I know at least one book has like 40 stories in it. And I'm like, Oh, this is fun. But depending on the length, I'll like read. I may have a discussion. I may not because I think the son's daughter was kind of mm -hmm. short. So I was just kind of like, well, I won't do a discussion for that one. Are, are you going to read through? Is it Waldrop that has like the, the super epic uh, one? I was reading through one of the Georgian folktales books, but it was like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three is just going through this long epic story. And I'm like, mm, nope, not going to record that. Oh, that, that's Rusta Valley, oh, okay. I think. Yeah. So, yes, I will be reading The Night in the Panther Skin, but that will be Patreon exclusive for a bit. It's because it's such a long book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be reading like a bunch of chapters, and then usually, I think for that one, it was planned. Um, I would get to that book and start reading it, and then once I actually get to the time period he was alive, I would start releasing that as the myth episodes for that time period. That is quite so, the epic. That is a long tale. Yeah. So I, I want to get that done, you know, sooner rather than later. Cause I've been trying to get a, a podcasting bank of 
having a few episodes pre-release, but it also, I make plans like, oh yeah, you know, I want to get people on board. And it's like, wait, I need to, I already have like six episodes published and ready for mm-hmm. release. I, I need to push it back a bit further. Um, so luckily I, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up to my last script that I haven't recorded yet. So I'm like, oh, that comes out in, uh, you know, next on the 23rd. So I have 22 days to get that one ready. Yeah. Um, it's because intelligent speech has been like really digging into like all the stuff I've been doing. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, I need to get ready for that. I'm starting off a new podcast. Um, and then just kind of trying to do everything, all the, you know, all the intro stuff. And then, cause right now we're at a good stand standing point where, you know, Miriam's dead. So it's like, let's talk about religion for a bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and cause I, that is, I so appreciate you covering Georgian history because like I knew nothing about Georgia, even, you know, my, my most recent thing of Georgia was when Russia took uh, the Ossetia part, like that was all I had really known about Georgia. And I think Umberto Eco in um, there's a book called Baudolino that he did. There's a character that sets out from Greece, I do believe, and goes through Byzantine empire. And then he goes through Georgia and Armenia. And I was like, Oh, Oh, mm-hmm. there's this, there's this mountainous country with, people and you know i just really didn't know about it so i was like oh okay somebody's covering the history of that nice and i get to learn about the people and learn about the culture and and that the egg bread thing the egg cheese bread oh, i don't know the name the of it. Yeah. yeah so good yeah that is like the thing i always like tell people like hachapuri is like the thing if you go to a georgian restaurant and it's your first time just order that they're gonna be very happy to like you know do the whole like they do a show of like mixing the cheese and everything they're like you need to watch this and they mix the cheese and the egg and they're like all right here's how you eat it and then when i go to restaurants usually i go like with without my sleeve on because i have a georgia tattoo Mm -hmm. so they see it and i'm like oh he knows what he's doing i'm like yes i do so it's like it's a lot of fun and like the last time i went to a georgian restaurant it, it was in new york and i went with some friends and the I think the owner like gave us like a round of like this Georgian grape vodka. Ooh. Oh, he gave everyone a round. It, it was very smooth because it was cold. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, you know, thank you guys so much for coming. You know, let's give out because, you know, you're, you know, you're doing this about Georgia. We want you to, you know, yeah. well, here's a shot. I'm like, here's a shot on, on us. I'm like, I won't, I'm not saying no to a shot. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing it's something uh, akin to grappa. Like in Italy, I had, yeah. where it's like made from the leftovers from making wine we're gonna ferment the skins and stuff and it's like jet fuel yeah kind of yeah, yeah it's called cha-cha cha-cha, <laughs> cha-cha. yep cha-cha <laughs> it, it's gonna make you dance a cha-cha afterwards that's for sure you know that's like i had it for the first time when i was in tbilisi in 2017 i had it at 2 p.m i was bla- i was Ooh. blasted <laughs> Because it is strong, and I had two shots of it, like straight. Oh. One was lemonade, one was normal, so it was it tasted good. I was gonna say that's that's another passion of mine is um, traveling and trying different alcohols and and seeing what people like mm-hmm. to recommend. And Korea has been great for that because Korea, they're like, oh yes, here's this traditional one. You know, a lot of stuff got cleared out uh, during the Japanese occupation, like a lot of the homebrew stuff and like that. But there are just little 
little tiny breweries that put out a couple of bottles of stuff and like, oh what's this oh what's this and doing it all in korean mm-hmm. is, is quite enjoyable oh that's awesome yeah. like i spent a few days in korea i was in seoul getting my visa done for china mm-hmm. uh because i had to you know I had to renew my visa so i went to seoul for a few days got it done and i for me that was probably like the best time I ever had in asia seoul is an awesome city like I know, and like I, w- I wish I knew more when I went because I just went there like I didn't know nothing about Korea, so I was like, let me learn everything. So I went to like all the museums. I walked all over the city. Refused to take the subway or the bus unless I absolutely had to, and I was like, it was, it was a lot of fun. Took lots of pictures. I learned a lot. So I was like, this is one of the reasons I like walking through cities because it's like it forces me to see everything. And I found it's really good. All you can eat. Yeah barbecue place so yeah. and, and and a fairly walkable city like you can walk from one part to another there's sidewalks everywhere mm-hmm. traffic lights and everything you can walk across safely it's, it's really nice i'm really gonna miss public transport when i move back to america yeah that's like the one thing i i don't like about living here is like oh yeah i have to drive everywhere what is this man is you're making me buy a car i don't like this yeah. so my, my small town of a million people you know it's just got a, a second subway line Okay, cool. I can go into Seoul in like thirty minutes. My, my small town of six thousand people has is finally getting an Amtrak expansion, so we'll finally have two trains coming in and out either direction. Nice, nice. Yep, Pennsylvania Railroad. So we can go to Altoona. Um, woo! That's actually an hour from me, so I can drive there a lot faster than taking a train. Um, oh, I was like, um, all right, small Pennsylvania town, Altoona. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll be a good reference. You're very close. So um, you're very close. It's like 30, 40 minutes away. We can go to Erie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say anywhere closer because I don't want to give my exact location out. But so, Dustin, are there any questions you had about Georgia or anything in particular that you wanted to know? Questions about Georgia? Like, I'm I'm always, I I learned how to say Karmarjova, but Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at some point, I will need to know how to say thank you and good night in Georgian. Um, and I'm I'm also just curious about like why is Georgian writing the way it is? Because it's it's really hard. So I can teach you how to say thank you and goodbye in sure, Georgian. Sure, sure. <laughs> so madlaba da nakhamdis. Madlaba na dakhmandis. Da da nakhamdis. Da nakhamdis. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because so that's basically what I say at the end of every. Yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. Well, that's where I learned the the Gamarzovo is uh, like hearing you say it so many times. I'm like, oh, Gamarzovo, Gamarzovo, okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sometimes I end my podcast with "Thank you and good night" from where somebody's listening, and I've had a few listeners from Georgia, and I'm like, somebody's listening to me from Georgia. Wow. Okay. Well, we're gonna get a lot more now. <laughs> double, double it. Yeah, getting two people. Woo! There we go. Um, and then with the writing, um, so it's really cool because Georgian is actually its own, like, it has its own, like, Indo-Cartvelian yeah. writing script because it's, it's its own, like, fundamentally, it is its own language group. Yeah. So it, it's not related to, like, Indo-European or anything. It is its own language group. It evolved on its own. And what's really cool about it is, is that it, you know, it made its own script by itself around the fourth century okay. AD. So like you can see that popping up in the churches. Um, and so the Jordan script was basically made in Jerusalem by all the monks because they needed a way to write down their language. Okay. But the consensus amongst Georgians is, oh yeah, no, the first king of Georgia, Parnavaz, actually mm. made the alphabet for us. 
And, you know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, sure. And sometimes I'm like, no, that's wrong. Yeah. But I don't want to break their heart sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, you know, continue thinking what you think. That's okay. Yeah. But, you know, no, it was made, more than likely made in the 4th century AD, the actual script. But, you know, it, since we don't have any written documents from that time period, like, we we can't really tell if the first Georgian king actually made it, but we do have, like, Greek and Armazi inscriptions, and it's like, well, there's stuff there, but they probably just wrote in Greek mostly and Latin because the Romans and the Greeks and the Persians were all there. So it's yeah. like, well, that's the ruling language. Yeah, we, we already have a writing system. What do we need our own for? And Yeah, and yeah, seeing history, a lot of times, okay, so the, the monks in Ireland brought over the Latin alphabet to England and, you know, always started writing this way for this one okay sorry right but yeah just seeing georgian and armenian and the like the, the different writing styles it's it's not easy to crack into it's not something where you're like okay i can see this symbol and yeah okay that one makes that sound georgian is really it's tough tough to yep. crack into <laughs> yep you're telling me who's been trying to learn it for a while now i mean it helped that i took classes mm -hmm. for it for a bit but this was like all my, you know, financial issues back at home just because a lot of stuff is happening yeah. in the world and prices are rising with everything. Yep. But um, basically I, I was able to learn the language. I was able to like learn a few phrases, talk to people for a little bit. And the best thing it did was since I learned the alphabet, I can actually read third, a lot yeah. of things. So I can actually find names. So if I find the Georgian ruler's name, instead of like, I don't like using like the Latinized or the Romanized name or the Greek name. I try to go with the actual name that the Jordans would know them by because I don't want to call someone, you know, Ferismanis. I'm like, that's, that's, it's a mouthful. Yeah. When I can call them Parsman. Yeah. It's like, you know, Ferismanis, Parsman. That's a simplicity to it. And I like keeping things simple because Jordans are already complicated enough. Yeah. I, I see the same thing with the uh, history of Persia podcast that Trevor Cully does. I didn't know that Xerxes and Artaxerxes. Their, their actual like Persian names are really different, and that's just the Greeks going, uh, yeah, Kasha Kajij is uh, Xerxes, and uh, the other one is Artaxerxes, and it's like, oh, but that's not even close to what their name was in Persian. Oh, so yeah, you just kind of paved over it. And, I mean, here this this name Xerxes, I mean close to Xerxes. Yeah. To be, to be fair, they're they're probably just hearing bar 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 the barbarians whole time. <laughs> barbars barbarians yeah, exactly. Or so in, in India, mlek 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 mlek. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that one. Uh, yeah, history of India podcast. I, I I listen to a lot of history of podcasts. Yeah, the mlekers are are the same are the people that speak the mlek 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 sound. Oh my gosh, that's it's just funny how you have like the same thing in, like two different countries. And we only know the one because, like, oh, this was a European one, so we'll pay more attention to that one. Anyways, so it's just so we, you know, don't go over time here. Sure. I want to say, everyone, you know, please check out Sandman Stories Presents. And where, where can they find you, Dustin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Stories Sandman. Uh, if you Google Sandman Stories Presents, I think I'm the only one for that. Um, so wherever you get your podcast, uh, and and I'm pretty active on Twitter. You can see me on Twitter. Uh, tweeting during Korean Standard Time, so uh, middle of the night for for the Americans, but you know, normal time here in Korea. I think that's it. I mean, YouTube, 
Sandman Stories presents. Yeah, and I do want to say that you know Dustin is such a a boon for all of us in the podcasting community because he always goes out to out of his way to support us and talk about different podcasts and everything. And he has tagged me in a lot more. You know, need a podcast recommendation. He's always tagged me, and I try to tag him in everyone that I find, but he usually beats me to them. So that's the. Uh, <laughs> so please check out please check out his stuff, especially if you like our myth stories. You you heard his stuff, you know how he does it earlier in this episode. So please check him out, give him support because I support him all the way. So yep, and I think and I do think you are under our the friend section of the of, of my web page too. Oh, cool. So yeah, I'll double check that, but I'm pretty sure you are. So everyone, model about the Nakfamdis and see you next time. Thank you and good night. To see images and bibliography related to today's episode, please go to our website to check them out under the episodes page at historyofsacadvelo.com. It contains all the links to our social media and email contact information. Sacadvelo is spelled S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O. To help this podcast continue, please feel free to donate to the podcast via Coffee or PayPal. The link is in the episode transcription and on our website. Our Amazon wish list is also available if you'd like to purchase a book for us. We also have a Patreon, so feel free to pledge to us on there. The best way to help us is via review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast host, as it goes a long way with getting the word out about the show and helping us reach new people to learn about Georgia. Madlaba the Nachfamdis, and thank you for listening to the history of Sakharvelo, Georgia. See you next time. <laughs> Thank you.